Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Welcome to Mother's Day. All you amazing moms out there, you guys are great. And, um, you know, as the, as the joke goes, we wouldn't be here without moms. So, um, you know, and it's funny because there's not another human being in this world that can carry on a conversation, give your child the look, you know the look that I'm talking about, uh, send a text message, change a diaper, pull snacks out of nowhere, all while the husband puts on his shoes, all right? It's so funny because it's like every time we're like getting ready to get out the door, I'm like, kids, do this, do this, do this. And Ryan's like fixing his hair, putting his shoe on. He's like, how do you think I look? And I'm like, guys, come on, let's go. And so I'm just kidding. He helps like 30% of the time. (laughs) It's funny because, you know, when you go on vacation, we're going on vacation in a couple of weeks. And when you have kids, it's not a vacation. It's, it's just a trip, right? You know, it's like it's actually just going to another place with all of your kids. And so it's, it's not a vacation. And I joke with Ryan all the time. He's like, what do you think I should pack? And he's over here packing. And I'm like packing for three people, you know. And so I'm like, are you done yet? He's like, I don't, I don't know. What do you think I should wear? So um, moms are, they are great. My mom had five kids, has five kids. And um, she uh, homeschooled all of us. And I'm going to tell you, she had three boys and two girls. And I'm telling you, like, if you, if you want a saint, you should spend some time with her. Because my brothers were not easy boys to raise. I mean, when you think of a boy, like, the, like just like an, a man's man, just like all boy, that, that was my brothers. They, um, the, our neighbor wouldn't let them ride their quads around the woods. So my older brother, Aaron, um, took some broken glass and spread it on their, on their, uh, their, the way that they go on, like, the trail in hopes that they would, like, pop all their tires and try to, like, get them back for not letting them ride their quads, right? So my mom had to deal with that type of stuff, and um, I'm, I'm really surprised that my brothers are alive. And, um, but you know how boys are. They're crazy. And um, they're fun, though. Boys are fun. So moms are amazing. I think sometimes when my mom, she, she helped my dad pastor a church. She raised five kids. She also ran a business of wallpaper and painting with my, with my dad. You know, she, she had a garden. She had all of these things going on. She homeschooled. She made, made sure we had meals every day. You know, and I'm like, man, I just have two kids. I can't imagine how she did it with five. And so, um, moms, you guys are amazing, and we are amazing. And it is so crazy how the Lord gives us just a, a maternal instinct, you know, and just to, to do the things that you wouldn't think that you could do. You, you do. And so, um, moms, we have a special treat for you after, after service. Actually, all women. I want all the women, whether you're a mom, you're a future mom, it doesn't matter. Because women, women in general are amazing. And so, um, but we've been um, in a series <coughs> called um, Talking About Cancel Culture. And um, Ryan played a video last week just about how, 
how our culture right now, how society is right now, is so quick to just cancel everything. If you disagree with them, then they try to cancel you. If you say something that they don't like, then they try to just write you off. You know, have you ever been in a conversation with somebody where they just, they get irritated or they get mad because you didn't agree with them? And, and there are so much going on right now in our culture, in our society, where they just want to just cancel anything that they don't like. And, and I think that's wrong. We know that that's wrong. And so it, um, today's cancel culture is, is when, someone that, when someone says something that they don't like, they just, you're just done with them. And so we all know that Jesus is the opposite, right? We all know that Jesus never canceled anyone. I mean, there were a lot of people that he could have canceled. Paul? You know, Peter was like, yeah, totally would have canceled him, right? Like, so like all of these people, all of these people that Jesus could have, but he didn't because he's the opposite. So today we're going to talk about um, the opposite of canceling and being redeemed. And we're going to talk about redeemed hope, how we have a redeemed hope. And so we know that Jesus redeems we know that he is, he is a hope, and if you don't know that, hopefully, hopefully you will find that out. So when the world sees no hope, Jesus sees only hope. He sees hope. And so when talking about redeemed hope, and when, when hope is lost, when people just want to cancel, that's when Jesus shines the brightest. When people just want to cancel you out, when people just want to say, no, there's no hope, that's when Jesus comes in with the hope and he shines the brightest. And so today we're going to look at um, the story of Ruth and Naomi. And um, we see in the first chapter of Ruth that Naomi and her family were from Bethlehem and that a famine hit. And so Naomi and her husband and her two sons left Bethlehem and they settled in um, Moab. And that's where his, her two sons got married to Moabite women, and one of them is Ruth. And, um, and then about 10 years after her sons got married, um, well, her husband passed away. And then about 10 years later, her, her son, her two sons passed away. And so, um, Naomi finds her place or her like finds herself in this position where she has no more husband and she has no more sons and she just has these two daughter-in-laws and in the biblical times like it's important to have a a man to to lead you to to provide for you and so Naomi decides to leave Moab and return back to Bethlehem because the famine was over and that's what we're going to pick up in verse 16. And um, we have a lot of reading to do. So, and I don't, I normally don't read. I'm just kidding. I do sometimes. My daughter is, I have to brag on her for a little bit. She is in kindergarten and she is reading like a champ. And um, I should have her read this. She probably would do better. Um, but in verse 16, in chapter 1, verse 16, it says, Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judea by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughter-in-law's got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughter-in-laws, she, sat out, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judea. But on the way, Naomi said to her daughter-in-laws, Go back to your mother's homes, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. 
No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go with me? Can I still give birth to another son who could grow up to be your husband's? No, my daughters. Return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than you, because the Lord has raised his fist against me. And again, they wept together. And I want to say Oprah, but it's not Oprah. Orpha, there we go, kissed her mother. Oh, we're just going to call her Oprah. Uh, kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to, tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has has gone back to her people and her gods. You should do the same. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and I will be, and, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. Then Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, but she, and she said nothing more. So the two of them continued their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is that really Naomi? The women asked. Don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made life bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such a tragedy upon me? So Naomi returned to Moab, accompanied by her daughter-in-law, Ruth, the young Moabite woman. They arrived in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. This is a heavy part of Scripture. This is at the beginning of Scripture before verse 16. It's pretty, um, it's, it's good, it's light, you know, it's, they, they get married and everything. And then everyone in Naomi's life dies except for her daughter-in-laws. And there's really not much hope here. And it's a very sad start to the book of Ruth. And, um, and I think that there are, there are some people here that can relate to the loss that Naomi's feeling, and then there's some people here that can relate to the hopelessness that Naomi and Ruth are, are feeling because it's not just Naomi that's struggling. Like, yes, she's the one that lost the most in her family and in her life right now, but Ruth is also struggling because she, she's grieving her husband. She's grieving the fact that she's a young Moabite woman. Like, she, she had these plans. How many of us have plans and then they get ruined, right? We had plans um, last Saturday. We were going to go for a really awesome hike that we've not been to. It was a couple hours away, and um, I bought snacks and stuff that I normally don't buy. And we were all ready to go and woke up with sky with a fever. And it was just kind of like a bummer because all week we had been excited about it and everything, but obviously we're not going to pour or drag our poor child five miles down a hiking trail to to do something that we wanted to do. And so things change. And, and our plans don't always go the way that, that we think. And so Ruth here is, I mean, Naomi, yes, she's, she's grieving. She's struggling. Like this is, this is not a time in her life where she's happy. And she's also, um, and, and Ruth is also, she's grieving. She's struggling. She's, she doesn't have the future of children right now. 
You know, she doesn't have the future of, of this, that security that her husband brought. And so these two women, I truly believe, through their grief, they're clinging to one another. Like, Ruth is clinging to Naomi. And, um, and so, you know, when we talk about hope, we, the dictionary explains hope as a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. The feeling or expectation or desire for a certain thing to happen. We have hope. We hope this is going to happen. You know, like we hope it doesn't rain on our picnic or, you know, we hope that things will work out. And, you know, so here, <clears throat> hope, expectations and desires of Ruth and Naomi, they were no longer there. They were faced with this trouble of now they have to move on. Now they have to do something else. Now they have to start over again. So the, the, the hope and the expectation was no longer there. So much that, as if you remember what we just read, like Naomi is sad. She's, she's bitter. You know, she's like, why would God do this? Have you been there? Yeah. I think any, anyone who's followed the Lord for more than 10 seconds has been there. God, why would you allow this to happen? Why am I going through this? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know why Naomi, well, I do know why she's, so, she's struggling so much, but she's to the point where Naomi, the name Naomi means pleasant. That's what the meaning of her name is, pleasant. And then she turned around and renamed herself Mara, which means bitter. So she's bitter. She's bitter at the fact that the Lord let things happen in her life. The hope the expectations, it's all gone. And so much to where she took something that meant pleasant, something that had life, something that had hope, her name, and she renamed herself something that was not hope, something that was completely hopeless, something that renamed her into what she would allow herself to be if she really thought that she was really, that her name really meant bitter. So all this leads me to my first point, that when hope is gone, God has a plan. When hope is gone, God has a plan. I know it seems simple, but what do we find at the end towards chapter 1 that we just read? Ruth. We find Ruth. We find that when Naomi was at her worst, Ruth was there. And in her, when her hope was broken, God had a plan. He had a plan, and his plan, that plan for Naomi was Ruth. They go hand in hand. God's plan for Naomi was Ruth, and we will find out later on in, in, down in, um, in Scripture. But if you remember, Ruth would not leave her. She was stuck to her. She was like, no, I'm not going. And I think that that says something about Naomi. Also, when her name is pleasant, I really think that Naomi was a very wonderful woman to be around. I really do. There's something in Naomi that Ruth saw where Ruth was like, I can't, I can't leave her. She loved her more than she loved her, her blood family. She loved her more than she loved her country. She loved her more. She stuck with her. Ruth was loyal to her mother-in-law. And I believe that, that Naomi 
was such an amazing person that Ruth, just, she just couldn't let her go. She didn't want to go through life without her. So what that tells me is that God had a plan from the very beginning. God had a plan from the very beginning. When all hope is gone, God has a plan. He had a plan from the very beginning. He knew, God knew that Naomi's son would marry Ruth. He knew that Naomi would lose her family. He knew that, the, that a savior needed to come from the bloodline of Ruth. Because Ruth is just not a normal person. The bloodline of Christ, of Jesus, is from Ruth. So if you open up this, this timeline and you see that Naomi is struggling but man, if she could see what God had planned for, for later, it would change everything. Because it did. It did change everything in her grieving and in, in, in the plans that, she, that, that got messed up. God changed everything because Jesus, Jesus comes from Ruth. Jesus, her, the bloodline straight from Jesus. We have David. We have all of these ancestors. Then we get them all because of Ruth. So God has a plan. When all hope is gone, the story isn't over. And God in his mercy gave Naomi Ruth. Think about that. God in his mercy gave Naomi Ruth. God is so merciful and gracious that even when we're going through it, he has a plan. It, it's the unexpected. I'm pretty sure that, that Ruth didn't think that Naomi would stick around. She actually wanted her to go. But God knew that Naomi needed Ruth, and Ruth needed Naomi. So God's plan often looks different from ours, but it usually ends up better, right? Often looks different from ours, but it usually ends up better. In Ruth 2, uh, 1 through 3, we're going to pick up there. It says, Now there was a wealthy and influential man, influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Amalekh. One day, Ruth the, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go out into the harvest field and pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, All right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters, and as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, a relative of her father-in-law. So, this is where the story gets good. This is where all you romantics out there can start gushing. Be like, oh, Boaz, he's so cute. He's such a strong man. Thankfully, I'm not a romantic. I'm a realist, so it doesn't bother me. And um, I'm not gushing over here. I'm like, oh, gross. And Ryan's like, yeah, that's probably right. So... You know, this is where it gets good. This is where God really starts to put everything back together. This is where God starts to really work and, and do what God does. So Naomi and Ruth, they're back in Bethlehem, and Ruth decides to gather grain. And, and, and this is my favorite part is in verse 3 throughout all of this. It says, as it happened... As she found herself working in the field that belonged to Boaz, a relative of her father-in-law. That just doesn't happen. Is that a God thing? 
yes, it's a God thing as it happened. As God aligned, as God, as God ordained, as God came together with this whole plan, she found herself working in Boaz's field. As God planned it, Ruth ends up working in a man's field that can redeem her, that can redeem all the hope that was lost, that can redeem her and Naomi, meaning that they would be cared for, they would be provided for. They would, they would have a place. Ruth could have children. It's almost like God knew. It's almost like God knew their needs needed to be taken care of, right? It's almost like God had a plan. God has a plan, and his plan is always redemption. God's plan is always always redemption. And so when there's something that comes at you, when life comes at you, when things get hard, when things seem like you just want to cancel them out, or maybe you want to just cancel God out, I don't know. But there is always a plan. God always has a plan, and it is always redemption. It is always bringing you back to him. It is always bringing you closer to him. It is always telling you what he is and what the enemy is trying to do, trying to, to push on us. Last night, um, I had a dream, and it was so crazy. I don't even remember all of it. I just remember that it was dark, and it was fearful, and it was evil. And, and it was like, in, the, in my dream, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, this is, this is bad. This is this is what the enemy does. And the Lord was reminding me in my dream, it's crazy, it was weird, that in my dream that he does nothing but destroy. He's dark. He has nothing but, but um, horrible things for us. He has nothing good for us. And in, the, in my dream, I'm like, man, this is, this is taking me to a place where I don't want to go. Like, God, this is not of you. And he, he reminded me in my dream, he said, this is not me. I'm good. This is not me. I'm not this. I don't destroy. I restore. I don't bring fear. I bring peace. And I woke up to my son screaming to a night terror, and then the whole night was just... Um, crazy. And, um, but in that moment, I just felt the peace of God being just like settling in. Like, this is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to destroy. And he is, he is, he is trying his hardest, but this is not me. I am good. I restore. I am faithful. God has a plan, and his plan is always redemption. We have to remember that. His plan is always good, even though it may not seem good, even though it's hard. His plan is always good, which leads me to my second point. Hope is not canceled. Unlike what the world is saying or the voices in your life are saying, the people around you, hope is not canceled. You know, we probably all have that one person in our life or, um, or if you're watching the news especially, that is like, this is happening. This is going to happen. I can't believe, you know, like there's always that one person that's kind of like the Debbie Downer, you know, kind of like, okay, come on, Debbie, you know, stop it. And so, like, we have that, 
there may be a voice in your head that's saying that, that's, that's putting the negativity in your life, that's putting, that's not, not giving you much hope. I'm telling you, if you turn on the news or if you watch anything or if you read anything, it is not hopeful. It is the opposite of hope. And if we let our minds get consumed with that, we let those voices in our minds, then we are not going to leave hope for what God wants. We are not going to leave hope for what he wants to do. We are not going to leave the hope of Jesus there. We have to remember that hope is not canceled, that God does not work this way, that God is not trying to destroy. He's trying to redeem. And as long as Jesus is your Savior, you have hope. As long as Jesus is your Savior, you have hope, no matter how hopeless it may may feel. You have hope. Even if you're clinging on and holding on to that hope, one day you will see him face to face. You have hope. Paul says in Hebrews 6, 18 through 19, that God has given us both his promises and his oath. These two things are unchangeable. They're unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge, we have fled to him for refuge, can have a great confidence as we hold on to the hope that lies before us. The, this hope is a strong, trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into the God's inner sanctuary. These two things are unchangeable. It's impossible for God to lie. And then it goes on, Paul says, that, that um, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Hope is something only Jesus can give. And as followers of Jesus, we have to remember this. What Paul says is that, Paul, or that, that, uh, that our hope, that it's like an anchor. So what does an anchor do? Holds the boat down, right? Keeps it from moving. Keeps it from going astray. So when we think about what an anchor does, keeps it keeps the boat from drifting off. So if we really believe the Bible, and we really take God at his word, when Paul says that he can't lie, that it's impossible for him to lie, that, these, that, that God is our hope, that he is trustworthy, that he is an anchor for our souls, that literally means that he will ground us. He will keep us from drifting away. He will keep us in those times where it's hard, in the times when the storm comes up. He's there to bring us back in. He's there to, to, to hold us down. He's there as an anchor for us. But the world and the enemy, they say completely different things. They want to destroy it. They want to cancel it. They want to, they want, they want to just completely take everything and anything away that has to do with God and the hope that he gives us. The enemy tried to steal Naomi's hope. He tried. He tried to steal Ruth's hope. But the thing that he didn't realize is that God gave them a greater hope. The hope of a Savior. God gave them the greater hope of the Savior. And so I think that it's important as Christians to remind ourselves when we are struggling, when we are going through this time of hopelessness, when we are going through this time where all seems lost, the enemy doesn't win. He's powerless. 
He doesn't win. He never will. He will never win. He doesn't have the power to win. Only Jesus has that power. And so when we remember that, it can put him in his place. And we can let God redeem it. We can let God redeem our hope. Because the enemy will try. He will try every second to steal your hope. He will try through anxiety. He will try through depression. He will try through circumstances. He will try through a fight with your spouse. He will try through a fight with your kids. He will try through your work. He will try anything and everything that he can get to steal your hope. He will try. But the one thing that he keeps forgetting that God has a plan. God has a plan, and that plan is always redemption. That plan is always Jesus. So if you keep reading down in Ruth, you see this beautiful redemption of hope that is returned to Ruth and Naomi through Boaz marrying her. It's such a beautiful story. If you haven't read it. It's only four chapters, so I encourage you to go read it. But it's, it is a beautiful story of just how redemption is so strong and how God cares about the things that, that are tearing us apart, the things that, that are really hard in life. God cares about those things. And um, Ruth 3, verses 7 through 11, it says, After Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he lay down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came in quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. And around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman laying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant Ruth, she replied. Spread your corner, the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing even more family loyalty than before than you ever did before. For you have not gone gone after younger, um, gone after a younger, whether rich or poor man. No, don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary. For everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. There's a couple things going on here. The first one is that young and rich isn't always the way to go, ladies. I'm just kidding. Boaz knew that Ruth was a very virtuous woman. He knew that she was obviously a hard worker. He knew that, that she, what was going on in her family, he knew. He knew what was going on. And, he, and just by the things that were said about her around the people, you know, like he, he knew. And so the thing is, is that we know that, that Ruth was an amazing person. And, and we know that God is working. Even when we didn't expect it, God is working. Even when we don't know it, God is working. Ruth started out just gathering grain for food. She started out just doing something that would help her and Naomi. She started out just just, um, trying to be a servant, trying to just serve. And she ended up marrying a well-known, wealthy, faithful, God-fearing man. She ended up marrying one of the best men that she could marry. And I don't, I just don't think that it's a coincidence. I know that God worked and he weaved everything to go in and everything to, that goes into the story. So God is working. We just have to wait it out and see how it goes.
The third thing that I want us to talk about and the final thing is that redeeming, the redeeming love of God is our hope. The redeeming love of God is our hope. In um, chapter 4, verse 13 through 17, So Boaz took Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. Then the women of this town said to Naomi, the women of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord, who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and cuddled, cuddled him to her breast, and she cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor woman said, Now at last Naomi has a son again, and they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. What a beautiful, beautiful ending to a story that started out so grim. If you read, if you read in this and, and if you really go through and you read the, the chapter, all of the chapters, and you go through and you really think about Naomi's, um, just the, the hard time that she had. And then you read this beautiful portion of scripture and it's, so much joy. It's like the Lord just restored so much to her. There's so much joy here, and I love it. You can't read these last few verses without seeing the joy that Naomi has, the joy of, of her being able to know that her family has been redeemed. They call Boaz the kinsman redeemer. He redeemed her family. He redeemed their, their, their future the children that, that uh, Ruth was going to have, he redeemed. And it's such an amazing and beautiful story. And he even says that, that, that Ruth was better to Naomi than seven sons and that God blessed her. Praise the Lord who has provided a redeemer for your family. That's what the people said about her. Praise the Lord who has provided a redeemer for your family. I don't think that's just here in this story. I think that's everywhere and in every family. Praise the Lord who has provided Jesus, the Savior, for your family. Praise the Lord. You can feel the hope here. You can feel the hope returning. You can feel the hope that even the women in the town are excited about. You can feel it. The hope, the redeeming love of God. Don't let your hope be canceled. And today when everything is getting canceled, and today when the, the noise is louder than the hope, don't let it be canceled. Don't give the enemy the satisfaction of hopelessness. Don't give him the satisfaction of it. Because that's what he wants. If he can make you hopeless, then he can get into your brain. Then he can start saying things about you. Then he can start saying things about your family. He can start th saying things about your friends. He can start destroying you. So when all hope is lost, it's Jesus. When things are falling apart, it's Jesus. When the enemy tries to come in and steal your joy, it's Jesus. When you can't see the good, it's Jesus. 
Jesus is always the answer. Jesus is the only hope. He's, he is our anchor. And if we let him be our anchor and in in the hope that we have, there's nothing that he can't do in our lives. There's nothing that we can't accomplish. There's nothing that, that can take that, that hope and that place in, in our lives if we just let him be the anchor, if we, if we hold down and we hold tight to him. We're going to go into a, a time of worship, and I just want us to, to pray. And I, I don't know what, where your hope is, if you've, if you've lost it, if it needs to be redeemed, or if there's something in your life that's kind of just nagging at that, something in your life that's just kind of taking that hope and, and just and replacing it with fear, replacing your hope with anxiety, replacing your hope with depression, Replacing your hope with just the things that are not of God, the things that are that that God says that you were you are. There's something that is stealing your hope, saying that you are not. Remember what we said that what hope means. It's a feeling, an expectation expectation or desire that a certain thing will happen. When God redeems that, it's a new expectation, a new desire of something that's going to happen, something new that's going to happen. When he redeems that, he's redeeming hope all the time. The expectation, the desire of something that's going to happen. The story of Ruth and Naomi, it started out so sad, but God turned it into something so beautiful, and he turned it into our hope, a hope that we have that, that as long as we're rooted in Jesus, a hope that will never go away. Did they still have bad days? Yeah, I'm sure they did. I'm sure that even, even in this hope, when this hope was restored, I'm sure that Naomi still thought about her husband and her sons and probably wanted to share that with them. Like, look what God did. Look what he redeemed for my family. I'm sure that there were moments in her life she was human. She had loved, and then it was taken away from her. And even though God redeemed her, Oh, I'm sure there were moments where she remembered that. But the thing is, is she didn't stay there. She didn't stay in the hopelessness. She didn't stay in that moment where, look what I could have had. But she went on to say, look what God did. Look what he's doing. And because of her faithfulness, and because of her encouragement to Naomi to approach Boaz, and because of Naomi's loyalty, and because of who Naomi is, and the virtuous woman, or I'm sorry, who Ruth was, and the virtuous woman that she was, God allowed her son to be part of the bloodline of Jesus Christ. What a wonderful, amazing privilege to know that something that started out 
so bad, something that started out so horrible, the Lord completely and totally redeemed and restored who she was. And the funny thing is, is in the, in the beginning, you know, when we first read in the first chapter, Naomi canceled herself out, right? Like she canceled herself out. She, she said, I'm not this pleasant person anymore. I'm bitter for what God did to me. I'm bitter. How many times do we cancel ourselves out? Thinking that God's not going to use you. Thinking that you're too far gone. Thinking that you're too messed up. We cancel ourselves out. We don't leave ourselves for hope. But that's the beautiful, beautiful thing about Jesus is he still redeems. And he still speaks over us life. And he still speaks over us the things that, that we, and cancels out the things that we speak over ourselves. I want us to go into this song of um, just the expectation and the desire that something is going to happen. The expectation and the desire that something is going to shift. Because when you go before the God of the universe, when you go before the Savior of the world, I believe that he wants expectation and desire to be there. And when we have the expectation and desire there, I believe that he will bless it. That it's just not, okay, God, do this through me. But God, I know you're going to do this through me. As we go into this song, let us leave everything Everything that's going on in the world around us, all the hope that feels like that's not there, let us leave it and let us bring it before Jesus and say, Jesus, I have this expectation. I have this desire to see you move, to see you move in my family, to see you move in my community, to see you move in my church. I have this desire, this hope, this expectation of what you're going to do because you are the great Redeemer. You are the great redeemer of hope. You are the great redeemer of peace. You are the great redeemer of anything and everything that's going on in our life. You redeem. And you are amazing. God, I pray right now, Lord, that as we sing this song, the expectation goes higher than what we ever could have thought. That the hope rises more than what we ever could have dreamed. God, I believe that you would rise up the expectations and the desires in our hearts. That it, the hope that we have, God, even if it's just a little bit, that you would excel that into more than what we ever could think or imagine. God, we thank you that you are the great redeemer of hope. God, I pray against anything here that is trying to steal the hope of these people. Anything here that is trying to steal the hope of the people watching online. The hope that, that, that may seem gone the hopelessness that may not be there. God, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus and I release peace and I release desire and expectation of what you're going to do. We love you, God. You are so good. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do.
Name. 
how you have just blessed the family of a mother figure, of a mother. Lord, have you put that desire in each and every woman, God. We thank you for what you're going to do and the stories that are going to come out of, of motherhood, the stories that are going to come out of, of just the miracles that you are going to do, God, because, Lord, you are faithful, and God, you are our redeemer. You redeem the things that were lost. And you return the hope that has been lost. God, we thank you for who you are. God, I pray right now that you would bless each and every person that is here. That you would bless each and every mom. That you would let them have a wonderful day, God. But God, that you would you would use them throughout these, out these four walls, God. That you would use each and every person that is here this week, God. We thank you. We love you, Lord. That you are so faithful, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys have a wonderful, wonderful day. And mothers, please pick up your special gift as you leave. We love you, and we will see you next Sunday.